Hi everyone, I'm Mike Morris, and I'm so happy to be back with you for a second episode of this new show to Midtown Radio that we've called Community Corner with Mike Morris. Over the past year, I've sought to use my platform and my privilege to put a spotlight on the priorities of our community and amplify the voices of those working on the front lines. Through it all, my hope has been to feature those who are advocating for a more just community, shining a light on the progress they're making, letting people across our community know what support is available, what gaps remain, and how you can help. Tonight, we're featuring a conversation with Rebecca Webb of KW Counseling, who joined me to speak about mental health in Waterloo Region. This episode originally aired in January of this year, timed around Blue Monday, and a Couch to 5K fundraising event that KW Counseling Services has now just recently completed. If you'd like, you're still able to support them by making a donation through their website at kwcounseling.com. And you can also read the full blog post mentioned in our conversation on my website at mikemorris.ca slash blog slash mental dash health. As well, if you've got a topic suggestion for what you'd like to see me cover on a future show, please feel free to send me a message through any one of Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. My handle is at MorrisMike, which is at M-O-R-R-I-C-E Mike on all three. For now, I hope you enjoyed tonight's conversation. Thanks again for listening. And so, yeah, thanks again, Rebecca. I appreciate you making time tonight uh, for this conversation on what I'm sure has been a busy, a busy day for you. Um, welcome to those that have just joined us. We're just going to get started here uh, with Rebecca Webb from KW Counseling talking about mental health. Uh, before we do, I'd like to start with uh, acknowledging uh, the land that I'm speaking or that I'm hosting this conversation from. This is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples. Uh, this is the territory that I'm in, as well as that of which KW Counseling provides their services across our community. Um, as many of you may already know, we're situated on the Haldeman Tract, this is 950,000 acres of land that was given to the Six Nations in 1784. It's 10 kilometers on either side of the Grand River. And more specifically, I'm speaking with you from Kitchener, uh, and Kitchener's within what's known as Block 2, uh, which was intended to be leased to settlers and was instead sold as land with full title. And so I think it's worth repeating that across all of the Haldeman Tract, there were actually very few outright sales of land and 90% of the land that was leased has never been paid for or paid to six nations. Uh, if you're joining from another, uh, another location, I'd encourage you to do the research on the historical land that you live, work and play on. Uh, part of my interest in acknowledging this history is that I think in reminding us of the injustices of the past and the intergenerational trauma that comes with it, this can play an important role in informing the conversation we're going to have. As one example, uh, I mentioned in the blog post that the Canadian Mental Health Association reports that Indigenous peoples, for example, are three times more likely to have had suicidal thoughts during the pandemic. Um, and so acknowledging this land, acknowledging the 
continued impacts of colonialism to this day. My hope is it's part of seeking out uh, an active hope that today's conversation can be part of a journey towards genuine truth and reconciliation. I also want to recognize that we're speaking on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And for myself, as I've been listening to, to Black and racialized folks across our community, a common refrain I'm hearing today is that this is a day to move past simply resharing a favorite Dr. King quote. Uh, that instead, this is an opportunity to pause and to reflect on the, uh, the real legacy of Dr. King's life that was cut too short and for continued action towards racial justice. And so to this end, I want to remind everyone watching from Waterloo Region in particular that a number of Black, Indigenous, and racialized members of our community have been calling for regional council to, uh, to not increase the current police budget and uh, to, for, that, for those funds to go towards Black and Indigenous-led community initiatives that address the root causes of crime. And so you can find more about their calls at uh, www.reallocatewr.ca, including specific ways that you can help influence the budget decision that is actually this coming Wednesday night. And so with that as some of the context for this conversation, again, Rebecca, uh, so wonderful for you to make time uh, to be with us tonight on Blue uh, Monday specifically uh, to start to talk about mental health. Um, as a bit of an introduction, uh, Rebecca has been the Executive Director at KW Counseling since the middle of 2019 and has uh, upwards of 15 years of leadership in our community around health, health, healthcare, from multiple facets. And so, yeah, it's a real honor to get a chance to chat with you, Rebecca, and to dig into a lot of the things uh, that um, I included in that blog post that some folks may have read. If you've not seen the blog post already, uh, you can find it at uh, on my website, mikemorris.ca slash blog. Uh, but Let's talk about KW Counseling to start. Now it's a 70 year history. So um, obviously we don't, have, we don't have time to hear the full his, history, but we'd love to hear Rebecca, your, um, what you'd like to share in terms of programs. Okay to be me as one example of, you know, a pretty uh, groundbreaking program in Waterloo region, who, who you support and uh, kind of what your days look, look like. <laughs> Uh, I'll come back to what our days look like because that's a very different answer yeah. than it was a year ago um, in, in, in some ways. In some ways, not so much, right? People are people and they need help and it, it can look and feel a little bit different. Um, but, but in some ways, it's the same. In some ways, it's, it's pretty different. Yeah, so 70 years in the community. So we started um, funded with what was this sort of 70-year equivalent of United Way. Right. And it was supporting uh, widows from the war, raising families and providing that family support. Um, and that was some time ago. So 70 years in this community, um, as KW Counseling Services, we provide a bunch of different things. So you mentioned OK to be me. So um, we do, we have specialized programming and a really sort of holistic approach to how you provide um, public education 
uh, peer-to-peer support and also counseling service just to look at how do you fight stigma, how do you fight um, anti-gay, bi, and trans um, practices and policies and, and phobias that are that are uh, entirely too systemic um, in, a, in a really holistic way and 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 lean into those conversations and also provide a, a specialty counseling service so we have a, a, a team that um, that is deeply experienced and uh, provides really excellent clinical care um, and has a long history of that. So that's that's okay to be me. But we've also provided counseling for a long time. So we have got a history of providing mental health supports and family supports uh, individuals. Uh, our, our, we've just gone back to our, our mission statement and really sort of are, are looking at it in terms of its individuals, families, and that is a very broad definition of family and that includes your chosen family. Yeah. and the people who are around and support you and also at the systemic level so so how do we how do we enable positive change and positive relationships at each of those places and um and and that counseling service is a is a huge piece of that it's not the only piece of it but it's a big part of it and then parenting work also right so how do you how do you do the preventative work which nobody uh, which nobody sort of thinks of when you sort of end up with uh, families that really find themselves in crisis and you back up those stories and how much of that um, could have benefited from early intervention. So why don't, why don't we pause there then, Rebecca, because in the post I do mention some of the supports that are available mm-hmm. and you know, from a KW counseling point of view in particular, maybe we can offer for some folks who might be here curious for themselves, mm-hmm. for a loved one, you know, it's so important that as community members, we're equipped with the tools uh, that when someone reaches out for help, that, you know, right. folks know where to point. Um, so do you want to maybe talk about, you know, walk-in counseling as a starting point or where, what's, what should folks know in terms of, you know, the services and supports that KW Counseling is providing on a day-to-day uh, basis for, uh, for other folks? So if you're looking at counseling, well, for any of those yeah. services, uh, easiest way to get hold of us is is to call our, our main number um, and call KW Counseling and, and talk to our intake team. Um, and they do a great job. So think of them as your triage department at uh, in the emergency department. Um, one of the things that we're really proud of and that we're doing more and more of is um, we're making sure that we're really well connected to a broader mental health system and to other agencies that might have someone who, I mean, we speak, I think we've got staff who speak 11 languages right now, but there's more than 11 languages in this yeah. community. Um, so if we can connect you with, with a therapist, uh, with another agency in the Counseling Collaborative, so there are six agencies fairly similar to, that provide very similar counseling services to ours. If we can connect you with someone who might have a different program, uh, provide a different language, um, provide something that, uh, that we cannot, we're able to connect you into that. So that first call will get you, it's, it's that no door's the wrong door. Um, way of thinking. So if you can get into the door and talk to our intake team, they can go through where are you at, what do you need, and how do we connect you with the people who can most help you. 
in a way that's agnostic to, um, you know, does that mean coming through to, to KW Counseling, which you always have the right to do as a client. You can always request a particular service. Um, but if there's something else that we think we can either get you into faster or might be more appropriate, we can connect you into that also. And I think that's worth pausing on because this is pretty special. Only launched a few months ago, uh, to my understanding, the, that, that six agencies in our community have come together to provide one intake form and a yeah. mix of services across all six subsidized options available. Um, the, the fact that, that folks can just go to this one spot now, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, the amount of work behind the scenes to, uh, to, to, to bring something like that to life. Um, as someone who spent a lot of time leading a nonprofit myself, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. you know, that's no small effort. Yeah. And we're not all the way there yet. Um, but part of that is it should be a pretty seamless experience um, for the client. And then we're still figuring out how to make it work a little bit more smoothly back in the kitchen. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that counseling collaborative has been working together. I mean, some of that work well predates my time with the agency. It is made a little bit easier um, in a time where virtual counseling is an option because where your counselor happens to be sitting, like that, that yeah. space um, and your ability to get to that space um, isn't as important, right? So long as you have access to the technology. And if you don't, we've got solutions for that too. Um, but while we have those virtual options, we can, we've got a lot more flexibility in that way than we used to because you don't want to be taking a, a, a bus from, you know, south of Cambridge to get to Elmira for a, for a counseling appointment. So it gives us a lot of options. It's, uh, it's not an easy one to do, but honestly, that, that group of agencies, there are some outstanding leaders doing that work and really putting the best interests of the community first and foremost and say, okay, park all the stuff we need to do in the background. How do we make this much, much simpler for yeah, That's clients. what I appreciated about it. Maybe it's like making a, a really nice meal. The kitchen might be messy, as you said, right? Um, yeah. But the reality is that for someone who needs support uh, to be able, whether it's family, couples, individuals, the fact that there's subsidized options available. And my understanding is uh, that at least in the short term, and we'll talk, I'm, I, I'd like to talk more about funding as we go, but at mm -hmm. least in the short term that recognizing in this time of pandemic and, and increased uh, social isolation, that there is even additional funding, I'm told, that's been provided uh, so that folks can know that, you know, if, if you go to that form and, and, you know, I mentioned wait times in the, in the post, uh, wait times have been a real issue, uh, but this is one option to, to get, um, you know, as, as soon as possible in front of someone, in addition to some of the online options uh, that are also available for, for folks too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so thanks for your leadership to, to move towards that point. Uh, thanks for doing the messy work behind the scenes, I guess. <laughs> well, and, we're, and, and I, I can't promise it's seamless every time. It is a complex system and people have complex lives, right? So what they, what they come through the door with and what their needs are a month into that um, are sometimes very, very different. And, and that's the reality of the service that we provide. And we count on, we have some 
uh, amazing, amazingly skilled clinicians doing this work and um, able to connect with people and able to follow them on that and um, able to to switch tactics and, and to, to switch sort of what do the solutions look like depending on what they're dealing with in that moment, which is, which is huge. So let's tell talk about some of those stories then and I guess you know two options one is we can continue talking uh, to hear a bit about kind of your day-to-day Rebecca and that of your team and how that's changed in the last few months Uh, and also and if possible of course uh, respecting appropriate confidentiality Mm -hmm. there is uh, kind of even a flavor you can give um, give us for um, some of the 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 support that's being provided and the ways that people's lives are being um, supported in a really difficult time. Uh, yeah, that'd be helpful to hear. Really difficult, a really difficult time. Um, so uh, we can talk a little bit how, how things have changed and I think that'll take us to what some of those stories look like. So um, you mentioned the walk-in clinics. So mm-hmm. uh, a year ago we were providing Wednesday afternoons, we had a walk-in clinic. So I was with the agency, I think for almost, six months before we saw like less than 80 people in that afternoon. So, uh, so and I, the average works out, works out to like just over 65. But, but when I first started, um, it was amazing. It was um, something I had actually seen prior to coming to work to with KW counseling. It was one of the things that excited me about the organization. Um, so big boardroom emptied out, lots of staff, lots of interns, uh, big whiteboard uh, going, incredible energy, incredible conversations and just learning and debriefing and going through sort of, you know, solutions that were offered to people and making sure that everyone's sort of on this this um, learning mm-hmm. journey together mm-hmm. and 80 people coming through the doors and, and able to be seen and... Um, then the pandemic hit and that was not a thing that we could do safely on that scale and there was no way to open it up face to face to be on that scale so (laughs) that was really interesting so we did a couple of things pandemic hit we immediately um, I mean, people were canceling appointments, so we paused our appointments, or sort of canceled appointments for that week and immediately started making phone calls and had every single therapist go through with their supervisor and say, okay, who's at risk? Who do we need to check in on today? Because yeah. there are people who have an appointment coming up, but they're, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, we can talk to them next week. Who do we need to talk to today and tomorrow and, and make sure that we can we can do that and just let them know that someone's thinking about them and let them know that we're here and that there's help available and just go through that. So I don't I don't you know, whether or not those are um, you know, counseling sessions in the traditional sense, it was just that reach out and and keep in touch with our client base. Um, so that was challenge number well, and one. And particularly the time when for so many of us anxiety was just in those early days of the pandemic i i was sure i had covid three different times yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and um, yeah. as the symptoms grew i thought oh boy like i'm running nose I, I coughed once or twice and um you know for for anyone who's who's working through um 
you know, anxiety and those, those kinds of things. I'm sure just folks buffers, you know, you're at the edge already. Right. And so to know that, you know, you had some prioritized folks that, um, that were being reached out to, um, I'm really encouraged yeah, to hear that. So, so really good, really good conversations, but that was our existing client base and kind of to your point, then the phone started right. ringing, right? So we started and we continue to, and this is one of the challenges and this is not just, this is not a KW counseling service. This is what's going on in our community and with people who provide um, mental health services. What happened from that point is people who had not people who had were already and the, the data in the last years bearing this out so if you already um had sort of some some background mental health issues those got exasperated um, but the other thing we were seeing is that um we were getting a ton of phone calls for people who'd never yeah. reached out for help before yeah which is like as a person who has put a lot of her, her career into into looking at like how do you fight the stigma around it? Uh, mental health and get people like so part of me is like fantastic people are reaching out for help right that is a there is a good news story under underneath there. But it also, um, I know I've heard Helen Fishburne at CMHA say, you know, we talk about one in five, we used to talk about one in five um, experiencing, personally experiencing some sort of uh, mental health condition in a year, one in five Canadians. And I've heard her say, like, right now it is five and five. <laughs> like, nobody is immune to this. Nobody is immune to this. Yeah. And, and, and so true that in so many areas of our community, the inequities that were existent before the pandemic have only been made yeah. worse. I'm glad to hear that in the case of mental health, at least in your experience, that led to an increase in volumes of calls. I, I know, you know other folks working in domestic, uh, mm -hmm. uh, domestic violence, for example, that was the real concern is that while um, there was an, an, a, a sense that that, that we might have deeper issues, the calls were coming, coming in. in. And yeah. so, so at least folks are reaching out for, for help um, yeah. at a time when, of course, uh, and you know, now even you know, that we're in the marathon of this almost <laughs> a year, stay at home orders now, second lockdown. Uh, this continues to be the case. I'm sure you're. Well, is is that the case? Are you continuing to see high call volumes, or um, has that changed? We're continuing to see high call. Yeah, we're still continuing to see high call volumes. Um, we've changed our model so we don't have that walk-in which was a really low barrier access so you didn't need to make an appointment weeks in advance right like all of those things you just you just had to be able to show up at that on that day and get seen um, so that really rapid access we knew was really important and was going to be missing to people so we we switched our model a lot um to be able to say okay um i i may not be able to get you sort of eight sessions with a therapist right now, but I can get you in to talk to someone today or tomorrow. Right. And to free up that, 
that time in people's calendar. So there's, there's consequences to that because sometimes what you need is, is eight sessions and, and we need to have um, enough people and enough capacity to do that. But we cut those. Uh, but a lot of times that single session is enough for people to have a plan and to get grounded and to sort of say, I've, I've, okay, I've, I've got this. And if I need help again, I can, I can tap back into that. Um, and we have that evidence. Like we knew that that's a, an effective model, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. So we were able to cut our weight list, I think, almost in half between a little bit of um, funding from various sources and very, very grateful to all of the funders who have said um, either that either there's been emergency COVID funding or there has just been flexibility to say, like, do what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is which is huge yeah. um which is which is not to be undervalued just flexibility to to go solve the problems in front of you that need to be solved um but yeah it's 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 different and we and we we still we get those those stories right so it is um I mean, you mentioned okay to be me. So one of the challenges we have and we know this from working with youth even with summers mm. that um some kids in effect, go back into the closet over the summer mm. because that home environment isn't somewhere where they are comfortable uh, being out. And mm. um, so it's, they've been locked down for a yeah. year. So there are, there are particularly vulnerable communities and um, the LGBTQ plus community is one of them. And youth are suffering in this pandemic. Like the, the emerging data is very much that 15 to 24 year old age range is the most. Right. Well, and for so many, for anyone for whom home is not the safest place, um, yeah. this has been a particularly challenging time, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for calling that out, Rebecca. Um, in terms of kind of things, top three things people should know about mental health in Waterloo uh, region, I know often it's um, needing to equip people to share the, uh, both the facts and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the key supports, I guess. But so if you had someone who said, you know, I want to be an advocate around mental health in our community, you know, equip me, what are, what are the top three things a, a person should know uh, to your, in your point of, point of view? Uh, so there are a few things. I, I think the first thing is that what we do works. I mean, it, it, we, we talk about mental health. It, it, it sits in that um, human services space. It sometimes gets disconnected um, from the medical model, and there, there are pros and, and cons that come with that. But mental health is health. And, and the evidence base is substantial. So, so what we do works, what we do in counseling works, um, what CMAJ does works. It's not always a straightforward journey. It's not always, well, I've broken my finger and I know exactly what to expect at two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, yeah. but it is effective care. Um, and, and, and I think deserves the, that respect, yeah. which, which it sometimes, um, it, which, it, which it sometimes has to fight for. Uh, the second thing I would say is that there are amazing people doing this work. Um, so I have, I, I mean, I have this team of clinicians that take my breath away 
and um, and, and non-clinicians too, sort of doing doing some of that parenting support work because it is a tough time to be a parent also right now. I mean, if you're going to talk about your frontline workers, that includes our parents too at the moment. Um, and uh, And they're going through the same pandemic you are. right so they're holding all of the same things that you are um but there are passionate gifted very very bright people um who have made it their life's work to provide this care and um and to trust that and to know that you're going to get i mean i will absolutely sort of vouch for my organization but that's Mm -hmm. not unique to us you're going to get great care um, once you reach out. Um, and it's not a perfect right. system. It's a, it's, a, it's a chronically underfunded system. It is one that uh, a lot of people have on their radar, which is fantastic, but it means that the funding and the support is uh, fragmented. It's yeah. often short-term, and it means that the work to say, this is what we can provide like this is this is this is what the community needs and we can provide that we can provide that on an ongoing basis gets hampered from having to sort of cobble together three and six months and maybe 12 months if you're lucky of funding at a time so and that slows it all down absolutely um we're getting some great questions coming in rebecca for those that that are just joining us now um, with Re- uh, Rebecca Webb, the Executive Director of KW Counseling, talking around mental health. Um, we'll get to some of these questions in just a few minutes. So thanks, John and Andrea, for, for sharing those. I want to go just a bit further in, around this, the funding challenge you just mentioned, Rebecca. Um, and you know, specifically in the blog post, I mentioned this, this analogy we talked about last week, this you know, bike versus road analogy of, you know, road budgets we spend money there's no question we're going to build another road and maintain roads and that seems and and we can all critique uh you know around healthcare that some folks feel there's Mm -hmm. not enough funding spent on healthcare. this is not a value judgment on that however there is a formula uh from the federal to the provincial governments to then um, Mm -hmm. provide care maybe similar to, to cycling infra- infrastructure, mental health seems like is one time ad hoc, it's piecemeal, you have to kind of fight for every piece and you hope that that next, that next bike lane might get built at a time when we recognize that, you know, safe cycling infrastructure just as mental health is, is not a yeah. thrill, it's not, it's not a nice to have, it's, yeah. well, mental health is health. Um, and so curious your reflections on, on, on sustained ongoing funding on how critical, because you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the need to raise funds in the short term while we don't have it. But before we do that, yeah, do you want to share, Rebecca, from your point of view, what, you know, your perspective is on this? So, um, so there, I mean, there is health investment in, in mental health. It tends to get dragged for a bunch of reasons that are completely understandable, but it tends to get dragged at the, into the acute end of the, of the spectrum. Right. So when right. we don't provide counseling, right, when you're not able to intervene early, when you're not able to do the work to, um, to support people through trauma, um, to support people through their relationships, um, and, and to sort people with their own wellness, like what, whatever those challenges are, 
you pay for it in the emergency department. <laughs> so you I, and you pay for it in your mental your your mental health beds, right? So so there is health investment there. And again, there are fantastic people. I have nothing but respect for the people who do that work. And those are very appropriate solutions some of the time. Like that is absolutely a piece of that spectrum that needs to be supported. It needs to be supported well. And you need to know that it's going to be there and it's going to work um, because when somebody is showing up in crisis. So absolutely, it's not an or story as far as I'm concerned. It is an and story. Yeah. (laughs) And you need those supports a lot more often if you can't help people earlier on. And well, this is what I I heard when I was knocking on doors in 2019, I'd speak with ER nurses who were saying, you know, if we'd only invested in mental health early on, maybe again, this is where the analogy works. It's better for a car too. If you've got a bike lane, it's, it's better for everyone, for everyone in, in the long term. If you've got, kind of a yes and approach, right? Um, I I think CMHA had that research. I mentioned it in the blog post. Every dollar invested in mental health saves $2 to our healthcare uh, system as a whole. Yeah, I think that's a conservative, it's a conservative estimate, right? And CMHA does, I mean, they they do fantastic work, fantastic work. Again, in the more, some of the most complex cases that are being cared for in the community, right? Because the hospital is not an end point. (laughs) It's not like you show up in the emergency department and then everything's cool (laughs) forevermore, right? So they do some of the most complex work in the community um, where you need that really sort of multidisciplinary approach. Um, But there's a whole, there's a whole spectrum there that, that when it's not adequately supported, it shows up in, um, you know, it shows up in time missed from work. It shows up in people not able to, uh, to, to go back to work, right? Like they find themselves in crisis. A hospital visit isn't going to help with that crisis. Yeah. A counseling, a, a, a series of, uh, of counseling sessions to work through sort of where they're at and what they need and what it takes for them to, to get to a better place will. Yeah, it's always encouraging when the academic research matches <laughs> intuition, right? Yeah. Hmm, makes oh. sense <laughs> that only when someone is well, will they be in position to be, whether it's, you know, a good care, caregiver at home whether that's in the workplace and the meaningful work they do there. Um, yeah, that, that, that's so, yeah, that kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, let's really talk a bit about the campaign that launched to, uh, this uh, today, uh, and then we'll, we'll move to some questions from there. Uh, and so do you want to talk a bit, Rebecca, about Couch to 5K? So this is an interesting Interesting. I mean, we were talking about funding. So, in um, we sort of would bank on between 100,000 and 150,000. Sometimes it would be a little bit more than that. That comes from special events. So, last year we got 8,000 from special events because nobody was doing special events. So, like everyone else, we figured out what this looks like. Um, our, our pandemic special event, and I think we're going to keep this going, pandemic, no pandemic, because um, just it's, it's, it's very aligned um, with sort of how we want to think about things and, and just that idea of look after yourself and get out and get moving, whatever that's going to mean yeah. for you. Set a goal, 
get moving, um, support one another, right? So, so just the, even if you're not doing it, but you can be a cheerleader for someone, fantastic. Like that will pay dividends for you as the cheerleader. It will, yeah. it will be a good thing for you. So this is a couch to 5k. Um, if you want to do it as a tra traditional couch to 5k, you can do that. It was, um, it was designed to take you from sort of no, assumed starting fitness level um, to get you to be able to run 5k over a period of uh, over a nine-week program. I will be attempting that. We shall see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we shall see. Parts of it won't be pretty. That's okay. I'm on board. Parts of it will not be pretty. <laughs> One of the things I love about it though is that it is so fitting for exactly the message you're getting across that we need to um, to each um, have some accountability to do what we each need to do for our own self-care in a difficult yeah. time. And for a lot of folks, that self-care means getting outside. Uh, that might be a walk in nature as much as it might be working up to, you know, accomplishing a, a 5K run. Absolutely. Um, and so when I saw it, I thought that's so fitting. Uh, I'm glad you're participating in it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I feel, so, you know, we can talk about the need for long-term funding and I think it's also important that we take action in the short yeah. term. And so that's, that's why I'm participating in, in, in the couch to 5k because uh, you, it's, you can't just talk about the future that you want. I think we need to also recognize that there are gaps. Yeah. Um, and if, if we, you know, we're lucky to have organizations like yours in our community that are on the front lines every, every day. And we need to be investing in those organizations to, um, to, in, to ensure you can continue to do the great work that you do while we might also then sign the yeah. petition to say, this is not good yeah. enough and we need to go further. Yeah. Uh, but again, maybe like you said, it's a, it's a yes and, right? Yes, and and this is, I mean, this it is a fabulous community. It's a community that shows up. We're really grateful for that, um, and and we always have like our. I mean, never mind COVID. I mean, prior to this, about a third of our funding comes from government sources. So the rest comes from foundations. It comes from grants. It comes from community members. Um, so if we want to have the service in the community, then we need to be able to support events like this. And again that support can look like if you're able to make a donation, outstanding. Happily, we'll, we'll take that donation. We've got a $30,000 goal here. Um, but if, if you want to help us boost our signal, that is very, very appreciated. Not everyone is in a position right now to make a, make a donation. And you can participate by sharing a story you can participate by um, doing the run and letting us know how that's going for you you can do that by again be a cheerleader right it's uh for for the organization for your friend who might be doing it like participate it will I'm do you good even just in sharing it and so i'll share uh my fundraising page in the in the chat here what i'm finding is i'm having a few folks say to me well first of all we do have a lot of generous people in our com in our community and some folks who have significant privilege their income hasn't changed while expenses have gone down mm -hmm. considerably and so i know a few people have said you know what our giving has actually increased in yeah. the last few months and 
for, for someone who might not be in a position to give, even just sharing it out more uh, widely, whether that's in conversation, over email, social, whatever, whatever the case, I'm learning it's just about getting it in front of a person who might be in a position where that's exactly what they were looking for is, okay, who, where, where can I best direct my, my su- support at a time when uh, we know there's a real need? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so maybe with that, uh, let's shift. John's got this question about um, the long-term impacts on mental health. I think a few people have talked about kind of the ripple effects mm-hmm. of the pandemic we're in right now. Um, so when, I, when, I'm, when I'm reading, and so John's question is, what's the anticipated long-term impact on mental health? And, you know, once vaccines, once COVID is mm-hmm. behind us, um, what are some of your reflections, Rebecca, on that long-term impact on mental health for our our, our community? Uh, I think it's a I think it's a really good question, um, and I've been part of some really interesting conversations um, with with some clinical leaders who are thinking through what this is going to mean for kids in a lot of cases, right? So, so really when those um, attachments are really important and those, those relationships and all of that social development is taking place. So for kids and for our teens, absolutely. Um, it's, I think there's going to be a, a period of catch up. Um, to put it baldly, and again, not a clinical expert, but 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 listening to some to, to some people sort of talk about okay, what what are we looking at on the horizon? Because from a programming perspective, we're we're thinking through that too. Right. And a lot of those conversations. I mean, I mentioned um, I mentioned that that fifteen to twenty four. Uh, and I don't think that's going to be, I mean, people are really, really resilient. I don't think that's going to bounce back immediately. I don't think it'll be, hey, the pandemic is over right. and everything's right. okay, because there's really important developmental stuff happening in that time yeah. frame, right? And it hasn't had a chance to play out the way we are um, biologically and culturally set up for it to play out in terms of independence from your home and your parents, in terms of your social relationships and and, and how they are, are shaped and, and how you sort of um, learn to identify in the world yeah. because you haven't yeah. been out in the world, yeah. you've been at home. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be overnight. And I also think there are a lot of people who have been coasting, um, who have gotten through the next year. I think um, if you look at some of the impact of our fr- on our frontline workers, um, I-, I honestly don't think some of that has landed yet because, uh, because they're showing up and they're doing what they need to do. And, uh, and, and, it's a it's a delayed response, but that doesn't mean there won't be a response. Well, that's, they're still in the eye of the storm, and so I, you're helping me think about Rebecca the various populations that are you know right at the mm-hmm. center of this. That yeah, but we need to make sure we're prioritizing that that those people get access to support yeah. long after the the trauma of this time. Even just the parents yeah. I'm, I've been speaking with are saying, you know, what is it like for my grade five child to have a mask on, not be going to like there there are certainly mental health implications of online classes and the extent of screen time and all the various needed. 
Of course. And I, I saw some, something great from the CMHA just over the uh, weekend uh, in response to some MPP who was saying mental health is important. We can't be doing the lockdown stuff. Such a great statement that she made saying, uh, it's true. This is having a negative impact on our mental health. It is important. <laughs> and so we will triage mental health supports that follow. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a great question, John. Anything more, Rebecca, you want to say about the long-term yeah, impact? So, so the, the other thing, the thing, what's keeping me up at night is a little bit we don't know what we don't know so i know the people we're hearing from but those are the people connected with service right um i know the stories that we're getting um i i worry about the people we're not hearing from um we do have evidence i mean if that there are disproportionately affected populations if you are white you are getting through this pandemic better i, I just just to bottom line it, chances are at a population health level, you're probably doing a little bit better. Um, we talked a little bit about the LGBTQ plus community. There are, I, I worry about the people that we don't necessarily have eyes on or who for a variety of reasons, uh, a lot of them systemic, yeah. haven't been out for help. Yeah. And that I think is still going to come, that will still come home to well, roost. And the intersections between some of these inequities for someone living in poverty, uh, if you don't have a safe place to call home right now, because we've not done a good enough job on ensuring everyone has safe, dignified, affordable housing. Yeah. Well, this is a very different pandemic for you. If it's a same storm, different boat, some people are in a cottage and some are holding on to a life raft or a piece of wood, right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, thanks for calling that out, Rebecca, that we need to be, um, you know, I, I know, I know a lot of folks are thinking about, you know, I need to be checking in with uh, maybe a senior who might uh -huh. be living alone. Um, but, you know, thinking through the different people in our community who might be experiencing this pandemic in different ways. And, uh -huh. you know, in this time of trauma for a lot of people and in a difficult time, what can we each be doing to, uh, yeah. to support them? And there's power in human relationships, right? Like we have got the professional team, um, but wellness and belonging isn't, the, you know, you, you, you don't need an MSW right. <laughs> to promote wellness and belonging. Like that is, that is, um, that is sort of, if we look at that as sort of fundamental obligation we have to one another, then it is hugely powerful. Yeah. You're you're making me think of that quote, uh, Johan Hari. Um, his quote is that addiction is not the opposite of sobriety. It's the opposite yep. of connection. Connection, yeah. Right? Uh, and so, so, again, those intersections here with, with folks that are, that are um, working through addiction mm -hmm. um, and how important human connection is, maybe more so now than in the recent past. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, we've also got kind of a more optimistic question here from uh, Andrea. Where, where, we've learned a few things, right, um, in these pandemic times, uh, one of which is all learning about how to be connecting online yeah. more so than uh, any of us. I'm not sure I'd be doing a Facebook Live right now <laughs> if we weren't in pandemic times. Um, so Andrea's question is when you are able to offer in person again, say in the fall, whatever the case is, is there a plan to be, or have you started to think about 
offering virtual sessions and workshops for those for whom maybe in person might be a barrier. Mm. Um, and maybe there's new capacity to leverage some of these online tools and, and comfort, I guess, for some, some of us. So uh, we were actually doing video counseling before the pandemic hit and it was one of those things and we had set it up, which was hugely beneficial. Um, so we had this sort of small pilot going where, where we had set that up already. Um, it's funny, either video and, 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 and people are unique, right? So different modalities work for different people. Um, we have continued to offer and we, we are continuing, uh, we have continued to, um, have that continuum we have uh i mean just as an aside for an example we have a space set up and, and we have a room set up in our building right now where if you don't have access to the technology um but face-to-face -face is going to prevent a, a barrier then you can come into our office and you can do a counseling appointment from our office so yes. there's a whole there's a whole yeah. range of solutions there um some people face-to-face -face is the only option yeah. And there's a bunch of really good reasons. Like it is the only thing that is going to be effective. Some people have found, didn't want to try it and then have found that they open up a lot more either over video or over yeah. the phone. They just sit in a quiet space and sort of, and, 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 and be able to talk. And you can, you can picture when you sort of see that, that mm -hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a, there's an opening up there and there's a vulnerability that becomes possible mm -hmm. if uh, someone's not, looking at you um, so we've had a few people comment that that phone piece has actually been really helpful to their therapy mm -hmm. um, so I think we're going to continue to have a range of options available um, looking forward to being to, to, to doing that face-to-face -face work though Great. Well, I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that. I didn't re realize that uh, either, that there was a virtual option before. Yeah. And, uh, and so maybe now going forward, it's another yes and that those two options might be available that, you know, for to meet someone where they're yeah. at. Um, that, uh, yeah, there's some of those glimmers of what we've learned and what we can um, improve on coming out of all of this. Um, now, there's another question, and I know, Rebecca, you're not a mental health practitioner yourself uh, in terms of your academic uh, backgrounds. So I don't, I don't want to over-ask of you, but someone's asking, you know, uh, reflections on what they can be doing to um, strengthen their own mental health in a time of pandemic um, for, for people who are wanting to be proactive. Um, have you got some reflections you'd want to share for um, for someone who might be for them for them themselves or someone that they know in, in terms of uh, staying proactive with their um so there are are, uh, there, there are resources available on our website. There are resources for well-being Waterloo. So there are a lot of, if you need something a little bit more programmatic um, that, that you can kind of work through, absolutely reach out um, there. Um, there's also uh, there's also some self-directed care um, if you're sort of not, not really in that counseling space, but there's some self-directed resources under a program called Bounce Back um, with CMHA. So, so there are a lot of resources out there. Um, having said that, we've, we've been talking a fair bit about um, connection. Yeah. And I, I would just come back to that point. Um, it is really a struggle to not hide under the covers. 
So two things that I will say, and this is sort of coming from the clinicians that I, that I, that I, that I'm talking to. First of all, forgive yourself for the days you hide under the covers, (laughs) right? It is, it is, it is, we are, yeah. So, so be kind to yourself um, first and foremost, and we have a standard of expectations that of what our lives look like and what living successfully looks like that were a unrealistic to begin with pandemic or no pandemic and b certainly not realistic in a pandemic yeah so i would i would I think time spent looking at what you expect from yourself and what success looks like yeah. for you and really looking at, okay, so what does healthy look like for me? Right. And connecting with that way. And, and so be forgiving, be kind to yourself, please. It is hard and, and connect in the ways that are meaningful for you. Um, connect with the world. I mean, you talked about just walking and, and being outside. For some people, it is it is just that is connecting with nature. It is telephone calls. It is Zoom calls. It is a note left for someone. So connect with the humans um, around yeah, I, you. Asking those questions of one another, I've been finding even just the question, "What support do you need right now?" <laughs> and just the. Oh, thanks. The that um, this is a time when we need to be there for our loved ones, and even just even consider that others around you that you might not know so well, that might be at the grocery store, are likely also kind of at their closer to the edge. We probably all, like I said before, have less buffer yeah. than before this hit, and not to mention, you know, again, one in five Canadians, even before the pandemic, uh, working through a significant melt, uh, mental health issue of some of some kind. But it kind of reinforces some of those messages that, again, while the pandemic is different for each of us, uh, that, you know, we can be give ourselves some grace is what I'm hearing from you. Uh, and also uh, offer grace or start from a place with grace with others as well. Uh, maybe now more so than ever. Um, and to consider how we can each help. And so maybe I'll come back to, um, again, organizations like KW Counseling and, and how we can be, you know, to me, in conversations like these, I find it's important that we, we get back to, well, what are the things that we can actually mm-hmm. do to support? Um, and to me, the Couch to 5K fund, fundraiser is, is one great option. So again, if folks can check out uh, in the blog post uh, uh, more on, on that, whether you want to contribute yourself, uh, whether you want to maybe share it with a friend who, who might want to contribute, um, and ultimately raise uh, funds for KW counseling an organization that you know is on the front front lines and you know I'm, I'm, I'm out there banging on pots and pans uh when able to thank our frontline health workers well we need to also be taking actions that are investing in in those folks too um and both physical health and mental health because as mm-hmm. you know as, as we've said a few times mental health is health um and and then also for for people who might want to be talking about okay how do we you know, change the overall model, I'd encourage you to check out this piece from the CMHA around yeah. uh, parity uh, and ensuring we have parity and funding between mental health and other, uh, another, our regular phys- yeah. physical health that yeah. uh, is funded uh, in a consistent and ongoing yeah. way. Um, with that, Rebecca, I want to give you a chance. Is there any kind of final reflections you want to leave people uh, with 
But anything last top of mind we have not spoken about that you want to make sure you share? Anything we've not spoken about? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, in, and whether it's KW Counseling Services, I, I mean, we talk about how you look after yourself. Engage with your community, right? Like whatever that 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 means to you. It can be our organization. We are not the only ones doing good work. Um, this pandemic has has um, one of the gifts of this pandemic has been my, uh, for me has been a chance to connect with all sorts of people who touch on that mental health space, whether it is housing whether it is um, hospital care, whether it is primary care, um, whether it is people, um, you know, public health and people doing work with uh, addictions because there is a whole crisis there that has been hit really, really hard in this, um, in this pandemic in terms of, in terms of abuse. Um, so engage with your with your community like what, whatever that means for you connect through these fundraisers but but connect with and 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 be aware of the good work that is happening around you as a bit of self-care I mean we talk about gratitude and self-care mm -hmm. as part of gratitude um, as part of self-care all the time and and I think one of the things we have to be grateful for is that there are some people doing an awful lot with very little <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'll tell you, none of them are getting rich doing it. Like there are easier ways to make a living, yeah. and uh, there's some amazing people doing exceptional, exceptional work. Yeah, and like I said, they're going through the same pandemic that everyone else is, and um, and connect with that and whatever. So if this couch to five k is a chance for you to do that, fantastic! Like the more the merrier. We want we want everyone inside the tent. Yeah. Um, but if it's something that comes to mind, sort of you know a month or two or six months from now, stay connected with your community. Yeah. Well said, Rebecca. Thanks. And on that point, maybe um, I'll, in, I'll include a link to the counseling collaborative in the yeah. chat here as well. It's in the blog post. Uh, but, you know, the, the six organizations that are a part of that, of, of which KW Counseling is one, Horizons another. Yeah. Um, all of which, you know, again, in terms of another support to, you know, have uh, top of mind for someone that um, someone watching might be speaking with, uh, that there is kind of a one stop and, and it's both a phone line and an on online form. And yeah. so these are some of the tools that uh, that we have access to and, and that I'd encourage people to be thinking about. Um, again, they can, if you want to dig in more in terms of some of the facts around mental health, some of the reality of the challenge, challenges our community is experiencing, um, as well as some of the things we need, we need to do to be taking it a step further. Uh, I encourage you to, to check out the blog post that's again linked in the, in the chat. And Again, a very timely conversation is also being had in our, our community. We talk about these various intersections, uh, but certainly there's a, a conversation around racial, racial justice in our community right now. Um, the, the police budget is one element of that, as a lot of folks are, are saying, well, if someone is in a mental health crisis, for example, what is the most appropriate response for that person? And are we investing? And a lot of folks are saying we need to be investing more, again, in mental health support. There's a mental health responder first and foremost, uh, recognizing that it's not people who look like me who are um, dying at the hands mm -hmm. of, of police um, on a, uh, uh, a wellness check, at, you know, four times the rate 
of their proportions of the population. And so that's another intersection here that I encourage folks to uh, dig into. Uh, and in terms of a call to action to check out reallocate WR uh, for, uh, for more from them on that. Um, and so again, Re Rebecca, thank you for making time on a, on a Monday night to be with us. Um, really appreciate the conversation. And thanks to all of you that have been joining us tonight as well. Um, hopefully there's been uh, some, some tools and ideas you've picked up here and uh, appreciate you all making time to be with us. And so uh, thank you until the next one. Hope you have a wonderful night. Take care. Thanks so much, Mike.